Yeah. Fort Knox. Aftermath. Come to New Jersey. Chop fools know about percolating on low low. Mike's in six folks, nigga. <laughs> no more hand claps. Please, thank you. Here we go. It's the AA show, August anniversary show for August 26, 2020. How's it going, everybody? Oh my god, this is the episode 179. Damn, 100, 180. And then, uh, this is our technically season 5 premiere. Because, like, this is the anniversary, so this is when we get it out there, which means it's time for the annual QA. Uh, I think I did this every single anniversary except uh, for the third one <laughs> because uh, yeah, I forgot about it or the second one of those two in 2018 I think I forgot to do it was like a sort of a one-on-one interview I re- recorded for a couple hours with my friend Scott uh, I only released the first 40 minutes of it or an hour of it go check back and listen to it I still haven't released the rest of it. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a lot of the light of the day one day when I get to it. But uh, so far, I think I had 187 uh, audios, including the half souls that I have had out there. So, yay, this past season was a full first full one that I did consistently every Wednesday as promised. You know, uh, you know, it's, did I think it's going to go this long? I don't know. It's, a, it's just the fun shits and giggles that I've been doing. Just for fun, for my enjoyment, and you know your enjoyment also, because you've been sending good topics and the questions. So uh, today we have about twelve questions, I think. I asked on the Instagram, Instagram story, which is my go-to, and also on the side, people are asking me uh, a bunch of questions. But today I decided to do it different because uh, learning the Kanban board and then the just the backlog of things. Uh, I I always had a hard time tracking the list of questions because I just used to have it written down on a paper, print it out, and then cross it off one by one. Uh, But today I decided to use the board, so I moved from like left side to the right, sort of like my program management shit that I do at work. So uh, I'm gonna try that out. So uh, I don't know how long this is gonna go. I'll answer to the best of my ability as, as possible. Uh, so this might go, this will likely go beyond 20 minutes that I usually do. But you seem to don't mind it from the past numbers that I see. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to get to the rest of the questions here. So, all right, question number one. Dream vacation, chill or active, historical contemporary, spend on food, or rare f- fashion finds? Uh, chill, chill vacation, because my life is usually pretty active. And usually very planned out given my professional life nature of it. So I would like to just go commando and chill. (laughs) And then do, I mean, I have a draft of sketch of where I want to go or stuff like that. But when I go about doing it, I'm not, I'm not on a like ridiculously constrained timeline other than the number of days that I spend time on. So I'm pretty chill about it on my vacation. And I like other people leading it, whether it's my friends or family that's, takes care of it and if it's too rigid i get stressed out because i already have a pretty regimen rigid everyday working life with the schedules and everything and keeping everything organized so i i get stressed out if it gets way too regimen right there and then scheduled you know so i just go all right let's chill uh historical or contemporary um i would say historical because i like going to art museums uh, and then I like going to 
looking at history and the science museums. I, I like museums in general, and then just looking at shit, and I just go, damn, damn. And then if I go to go back to Europe or something, it's been a while, four years. Uh, <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be like, damn, white people. <laughs> And then the contemporary, it depends what the contemporary means. It's like, if it's like the late 19th century, 20th century, you know, I enjoy those, uh, enjoy those arts from like Renoir and all that stuff that I talked about. Renoir, Cy Twombly, uh, Philip, Philip Guston, Hyman Bloom, uh, George O'Keefe, Paul Klee, and then uh, John Malvik. You know, those guys are pretty contemporary. I enjoy watching those too. And then it's my vacation to go look at those artwork and paintings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those, I would be down for contemporary, but mostly historical would be nice because I'm a, I like looking at old stuff. I like old things when America was great. Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, spend on food or rare fashion finds. Uh, I, all right, because I I I read this question as a part of a vacation. Uh so for vacation food. I, I, I don't skimp out on food and groceries, I'll be honest. And then um, I did this, uh, you know, like going to Michelin restaurant or something, that would be nice. Rare fashion finds, I mean, fashion is like whatever. I just I just don't have a high desire of certain clothes other than unless it's a Nike or some shit. But I'm not an Air Jordan person either. I just like digging out the shoes that not too many people wear because everybody collects Jordans. Everybody collects Kobe's and LeBron's. I'm like... I don't want that shit. I, I just want fly knit, <laughs> but a cool color of a fly knit or something, something or the U of M color combo or the CU buffs, you know, combo or something like that. So uh, I like spending it on food. And then uh, and then I go like, yeah, I had that food. It was pretty damn good. You know, that kind of thing. So spend on food. So dream vacation again, chill, historical and spend on food. So I pick first on all of them. So there's that. There's a question one. And I'm going to move that to the right side of the board. Because uh, I've never done this before. Alright, next question. Uh, it's two questions I combined into one because it's on the same thread, basically. Uh, when do you think you'll be able to visit Canada? Uh, and then also, do you miss Canada? I don't... I already, I already gave up coming back into Canada as normally as I did. Last time I was back was January helping my parents. And then I was about to come back in mid-March. You know, my bi-monthly you know every couple months or three months you know once a quarter at the worst you know coming in uh ever since i came back to detroit uh and then right before that trip was gonna happen the borders closed and then the lockdown and work from home began uh i don't think it will be a fluid trip you know technically i can go home uh, since my parents are still in Mississauga, and then I can come, b- I I think I can come back into U.S. But I I just hate the idea of just quarantining two weeks when I go over there, and then quarantining when I come back. Although CDC kind of did away with that recommendation, but I like to be cautious. Just two weeks minimum that I gotta spend there, at my just within my parents' confine confinement over there and then come back here and then take two weeks here i i just don't like the idea of that so because of that uh unless i think for canada perspective unless us and mexico have this fucking virus under control under control you know look at the charts jonathan uh this motherfucker um (laughs) i i i until until some significant drive down of the numbers show i don't think uh, that will happen. I already watched 2020 for coming back to Canada. 2021 maybe, but I'm calling it maybe summer next year, a year from now. 
Uh, do I miss Canada? Absolutely. I, uh, I like times like this, you know, I do. And then uh, even before this pandemic, the, one of the reasons I came back was I've been away from the Eastern time zone for like fucking seven years since I left uh, U of M back in 2010. And then even then my parents are able to visit. I've been, you know, been able to go home. You know, for every little fall break or study break, March break, summer, you know, it was it was way way easier to go back and forth. And then uh, after moving to Colorado, I think I drove three times, at least twice that I can remember. I did that drive, uh, and then also flying one time. I think I flew one time in the winter break, the first winter break in 2010 when I was at CU, and then. Uh, I didn't come home for a while after 2010, 2011. Uh, 2011, I drove back. God, that was crazy. I think I was pretty burnt out. I just drove. I was fucking burnt out. And then I just drove. I had two midterm exams and then an internship interview. And then I, and then, uh, and then another midterm there, you know, after the internship interview in Utah, Salt Lake City with the Goldman Sachs. I just said I'm I'm fucking leaving, and then I was pretty burnt out. Now I think about it, and then I ha- I I had had it at that moment, and looking back, you know, during this pandemic, I thought about it, and then I just go fuck, you know, I I really miss home. I'm all by myself, isolated up in the mountains. You know, it was hard, you know. And then uh, I missed home, and then I just drove nonstop like twelve, thirteen hours. And then I stopped in Waterloo, Iowa. The home of the Northern Iowa University, which was also on a spring break, so there's nothing there. And then I stopped by Kenosha, Wisconsin. Funny that city's fucking mentioned now, because I was visiting my friend who lived in Kenosha at the time. He's back in Michigan now. Chris, Christine, hello, hello. And then, uh, yeah, and then I remember celebrating the St. Patty's Day 2011 in Ann Arbor. That was my last stop before going showing up in Mississauga out of nowhere because I missed home and then I missed the familiarity you know at that time so yeah I, I missed it uh but the career is here now and then uh you know life is here and then I, I would like the flexibility of going back and forth so in that sense yeah I miss it I grew up there you know I, I could still call Mississauga my home you know if I ever if I ever have a fucking entry announcement like in the wrestling or UFC MMA or something, it's like it will be uh, from Missaga, Ontario, not Toronto, Ontario. It'll be Missaga, Ontario, Canada. So uh, I missed it. I, I missed it, and then I would like, I would like the closeness of coming back or accessibility to come back. So yeah, I miss it. I, I even miss it now because I can't go home. It, it fucking sucks. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm more realistic about it. So. Uh, all right, so that question's out of the way. That was a long-winded way of saying yes, I missed it, and then I think I'll be able to come back next summer. Will you give me a shout out? Okay, so I usually these are anonymous questions, but then uh, given there's some developments with the questionnaire and the questioner asker, and then me over the last 24 hours, so I'll say yes, Jen. I'll give you a shout out. Actually, this is a goddamn call out because you made me role play your ex boyfriend for a good five six hours uh, Monday. The August 24th. So I'll t- for the listeners out there, I'll tell you what the hell happened. So uh, this question came before this uh, role play exercise that we had to do, which was, uh, I'm just going to say, this is, a, this is not a shout out. This is going to be a goddamn call out, Jen. Jen and whoever Jen's ex-boyfriend is, because ex-boyfriends hung up shit, got me into this fucking mess. And then I, I, I got to be, I, I got to role play an ex-boyfriend. So what happened was, 
uh, Jen, yeah, Jen, uh, had, you know, we all have had, what is it, the fucking house party app account during this pandemic. Granted, the usage greatly went down the last 100 days or so after being, you know, coming up so hot over the first month or so. Uh, <laughs> Jen uh, was curious how the blocking feature and then the direct messaging feature worked uh, on the house party app. So out of nowhere, I was asked uh, Monday afternoon, hey, if I could block her, unfriend her, friend her again, and then send them messages and like try different combinations of blocking and unfriending mechanism to see if I could read her message. And then, you know, and then I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I said, what the hey, I'll give it a shot. And then uh, it, we, I think we played about five, six different scenarios of like block, unblock, and then add again, and then unfriend, and then try to message the, D, you know, access the DM, all that stuff. And she kept telling me, what's the safe word? What's the safe word? And every time I just go, what the fuck? I can't see the message, Jen. I don't know what a safe word is. Then finally, we friended, and then the, what we found out is that after blocking and unblocking, and then you become a friend again, uh, whatever the threads of the DMs that you have had uh, are back. Um, and then uh, I just saw that, like, she would just say yelling, it's like, a safe word is avocado, bitch. You know, all that kind of tone. I just go like, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on? And then I found out later, it was like, oh, Jen's ex-boyfriend. I don't know where I added her on a house party, and then she, she sent some... Uh, mean-sounding message, like, and then she just blocked him, and then, but she was curious if the DMs were still there, so I indirectly played the ex-boyfriend of Jen's, and then the Tim, you know, uh, Jen's boy, if you're listening, you know, uh, you're welcome, and then uh, I don't want to role-play a punching back and be the warm-up fight to the whatever fight that you're going up to. So, yeah, here's a call-out, Jen. And then uh, shout-out to Jen and Tim. Shout-out to Jen and Tim. Thank you for the question. Uh, great question. Great question. Uh, that was that. So, question number four. This is wrestling-related. Uh, was Kenny Omega better in New Japan Pro Wrestling or in All Elite Wrestling? Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I think All Elite Wrestling, uh, it's a new franchise that just came out and you know over the last year or so and then it became it got on the national tv just in the last 10 months or so i think it's too early to tell but i i i had my own doubts if kenny omega is a bankable superstar like some people think that he could be kenny omega if you don't know he's a canadian go watch him he's a phenomenal athlete he's from winnipeg manitoba kind of like chris jericho uh, he's a phenomenal athlete, and then he was also famous from like 10 years ago when he wrestled in Japan, not in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but a wrestling promotion called the DDT, where he was famous for wrestling a 9-year-old kid. It was like a Make-A-Wish Foundation kind of thing. And also, he wrestled a broom, if I remember right, and then his uh, good friend Kota Ibushi uh, wrestled a blow-up doll. Go, 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 go look for the clip, and then... uh. He's a phenomenal athlete, he's a phenomenal whatever, but I think his promo ability is a little too goofy for me. And then, uh, so because of that, I think he has some work to do. And then I don't think he put himself in front as much as possible yet uh, to get him over to be the mainstay star. So I, I think his time will come. And then uh, obviously he proved his worth and uh, fame through New Japan Pro Wrestling. But even there, I had have had my set of doubts. And I hope he proves me wrong. That's why he's in AEW. And then uh, see how he 
how he prevails in the North American and the global market. It's still the professional wrestling. As much as I love and feel, feel my buddies love. It's it's still a very very niche product, and then uh, I I think it's a it's a very simple storytelling art theatrical uh, sports entertainment uh, that it it tells uh, stereotypes and archetypes very easily there's there's a chase there's a champ there are winners and losers all the wwe doesn't do that way it doesn't have to be so damn soapy i i don't i don't like when people say oh wrestling is men's soap opera it's like no not exactly it's a lot it's a very fundamental storytelling of you know over the you know over the line over the book whatever over the you know whatever characters and then but those characters and then the like Ric Flair's and Hulk Hogan's racist, uh, you know, Undertaker, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, you know, Mick Foley, Mankind, you know, all those, you know, Attitude Era, the Golden Era of the '80s, you know, Freddie Blassie, and then a uh, Gorgeous George, you know, all those guys, Antonio Inoki, uh, Giant Baba, all those guys from the Japanese wrestling, and then the Mysterios, Guerrero family, and then the. Uh, all those CMLL, uh, AAA. It is the most American entertainment that's simplistic, that can tell very relatable, timeless stories through very simple archetypes that are also used in all the other forms of entertainment, whether it's uh, the comic book movie, the superhero movies, the franchise movies, or some TV TV shows. It's like you you always have a heroes, anti heroes uh, to root for, and then the villains to root against. And you know, and they're good villains. Really good villains have their own self justification that is very convincing and logical. You know, where they don't think they're villains, but all actually heroes. You know, and then same thing. And then wrestling can tell these stories the easiest way possible. And then while it came out of America and it spread in Japan and Mexico. And also in Europe, there are a lot of other countries where it's a, at that theatric, theatric, theatrical stage, stage-based art form of physical entertainment actually can be very empowering for social things. If you look at wrestling around the world and some of the European, East European countries, they talk about the domestic abuse, like you know, beat-up wife overcoming a very abusive husband or boyfriend, you know, that kind of thing. Grew Africa, and then it's like, oh my god, like a disadvantaged boy coming over, blah blah blah, overcoming that you know adversity, you know that. It's it's very simple storytelling, and then I, every every movie, everything that I watch, you know, reality shows and all those, eventually go back to wrestling. And then there's a video on Facebook a long time ago says like everything is wrestling. If you look at really look at the archetypes and then the storytelling, the the story devices that it goes into wrestling has the easiest way to go and then it just it just had it just its own unique entertainment and then it's very carnivorally carny and circusy shit especially when i was touring around before the times of pandemic i well you know what i deviated sideways on the explaining about my why my, i'm fascinated with professional wrestling and whatnot but uh yeah sorry <laughs> this is what happens this is why it's a q and a i i can't go into the side weeds and whatnot so uh, next question, a little personal. Another name call out here. Uh, why is Tommy Louie the worst person you know? Uh, because he's ugly. <laughs> he's ugly, and then he needs to quit smoking. He needs to quit fucking drinking, 
Ah, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Tommy, if you, uh, you know, actually, Tommy was on the show a couple of times. The episode six, the Euro Trip crew, and then the episode fifty-nine, the Euro Trip crew, uh, you you know, reunites. Uh, no, Tommy, I, I love Tommy. He's, he's really a cool guy. And then, uh, you know, he just sounds angry. He just looks ugly, but he's actually a very beautiful, sensitive man inside. Uh, unfortunately, it's just that. Just that he 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 just he just he just needs to get his shit together, <laughs> you know, on his face. So that's why he's the f- worst person that I know. Uh, and then uh, Tommy, if you're listening to this, you know, I I, I really want to go back into Canada so we can have a drink. Uh, we're gonna get an alcoholic drinking question here in a little bit. But yeah, but um, yeah, you ugly man. So <laughs> God, I'm an asshole. Uh, the next question, I'll answer the sobriety question. Speaking of drinking, because I'm like thirsty for drinks. How long will you keep your sobriety? Uh, and then a follow up: Is this the new norm for you now? Um, as always, I don't know how long things usually last. I, as much as I live a rigid life, all that shit, like I talked about, you know, with a vacation and my day to day work and stuff. Um. I have a good idea when I'm going to end the sobriety. I'll say that. Like the vegetarianism and then the gym and all that stuff where I just I just started. Like vegetarian thing, I think it lasted like three and a half years. Um, vegan, I know I tried three days and I failed. Just the vegan diet, not the lifestyle. Um, but this drinking thing, it ha- it started you know, because of the pandemic. By the time you hear this thing come out... Uh, I think it's been exactly 166 days, 67 days, 68, 168 days at least, uh, since I drank, and then, um, I think it'll go for a while, would I crack a year, I don't know, um, would I, would I crack 6 months, 180 days, like, ooh, I'm so close, you know what, if it's 12 days, you know, I'll do it, I, I, when I hit 90 and then 100, I was, like, surprised, you know, there are moments like I, I get tempted when I was in Ikea this past weekend with the uh, with my girl. And then uh, there was a Hendrix bottle on the in the bookcase. And then uh, I just uh, I, I, I froze for a moment. And I just go, fuck, I miss Hendrix. <laughs> Hendrix is my minimum starting gin, not Bombay. Bombay sucks ass. But um, oh, God, more and more I think about it. It just gets me into it um i know the day that i'm gonna stop drinking i'll say that right now is this a new norm yes it is and then uh the first two weeks were rough but then after the first two weeks i got used to it i did not have such cravings like you know so many people had you know lockdown and home and all that stuff and then i i i stopped because i knew the mistakes that i would make drinking and alone in a lockdown home i know what i'm gonna do record this shit no no some other bad shit's gonna happen and then i i sprain my ankle or something i sprained my ankle three times drunk okay so <laughs> there's that and then uh how did i sprain it three times oh fuck i don't want to talk about it but two of those times happened on the almost exact same day within the six year span so uh there's that there's that all right, next question. Uh, what do you think about the Snyder Cut trailer? Nothing. I just, I just, I mean, it's a, it's a better looking movie with a different lighting and coloring, obviously, and a better hue. But 
you know, oh, Dirt Side showed up, and then, oh, there's some, like, Barry Allen scenes. Uh, okay, but it doesn't change what the fuck Justice League was and is. Does it, like, is it going to change the future course of it? No. And then Zack Snyder, kind of like J.J. Abrams, uh, great trailer director. But for the actual movie, it, it gets lost me in times. So, uh, inconsequential in my opinion. But uh, it looks better, for sure. But then, Superman versus ba- Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel looked good also in a trailer. So, I'll say that. And then the coloring is like no different from Man of Steel when I first saw it, right? So, I'm like, whatever. Whatever. I don't think there's going to be anything much revealing other than filling gaps to better build, say, Barry Allen and then the cyborg, those two. Because those two stories are really gappy. And then maybe Aquaman. But then Aquaman had his own soul movie, so it didn't fucking matter in the end. It was like, oh, okay. But then the Aquaman movie, I said this in a Snyder Cut before in that episode. Uh, go, go back and listen to my wife. I think the Snyder Cut will fucking flip, flop. Uh, episode 166 I, I Aquaman I thought it was going to be a prequel But then it became a sequel So it, 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 it confused the fuck out of me You know because Amber Heard just showed up out of nowhere I, I hoped that it was a prequel But it wasn't a prequel So Snyder Cut eh. uh, where's, where's your dream home located? I don't know Because I don't know where the fuck I'm going <laughs> to I, I don't know where I'm going to die young <laughs> Um I, the favorite places where I envision myself as a god, I really want a home here is probably uh, back in back in Seattle. It wasn't the mountaintops of like Silverthorne, Colorado, or Vail, Colorado, or something. You know, remote mountain area. I don't think I'm a mountain person. I'm more of a water ocean person. So, still my favorite places to go to. Um, you know, when this pandemic kind of dies down. You know, I, I was hoping to make a. Make my annual Seattle trip a week from now for the Labor Day weekend when the UW Huskies play the U of M this year. But obviously, with the pandemic, the football season cross conference game, like uh, non conference games, are canceled. Um, so I thought I was gonna be over in a couple of weeks and then uh, visit Seattle, but unfortunately, that's not gonna happen. But the favorite places that I always visit, I did this when I went back the last couple of years, was uh, the Medina Park. In the Lake Washington, just staring at that uh, in that little small beach, and then I just sit there, you know, by the Medina City, City Hall. You know, it's not a city; it's like a little town hall they got there. Um, and then uh, when I looked at those waterfront places, I know, like that's where Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, you know, Pete Carroll, Steve Ballmer, uh, Felix Hernandez, uh, you know, all these like rich motherfuckers live. But um. I, I really like staring at that lake and then I, I just said, God, I just want to sit in the backyard, smoke weed or smoke cigarettes, smoke blunt, you know, combine the two or some shit and then drink gin and just stare at the fucking water that's staring quiet water because uh, it's not an ocean. So there's no like necessarily wave. But yeah, there's a wave here and there, but I just got like I, I just love staring at that fucking water uh, in Medina and not not like another other lake places in Seattle in the South Lake Union or something like nah I, I like this quiet Mercer Island I really never stopped by Mercer Island um so you know maybe there are places there too because I think uh what's his Starbucks guy face uh I forgot he ran for the president you know funny that the Howard Howard uh, guy I forgot his last name all of a sudden but anyways uh Howard Schultz 
you know, Northern Michigan proud, but he never comes back here anyway. You know, it's like, oh, I hate this fucking place or some shit. Uh, Howard, Howard Schultz lives in Mercer Island, if I remember right. And a whole bunch of boring people in Mercer Island and some Microsoft people. But yeah, Lake, Lake the Medina, Lake Medina Park, like that. That's Medina, the Bellevue East Side area. That's where my dream home was located. Although it's like fucking $10 million, you know. Living amongst the richest people in the world, <laughs> but you know, I I'll say that that's that's where my dream home is right now that I can think of so far. Uh, what kind of work training is actually valuable? Um, well, I don't I I don't want to speak specifically to my work. That's my golden rule against this podcast and everything. But um, I think the kind of work training that makes it valuable is. Anything that your peers actually present instead of having a fucking training or whatever formal association organization come over and nag at you like a fucking substitute teacher. <laughs> I, I think those are the ones that, because I think your peers are best in position to communicate the relative cases and examples in these work, long workshops and the trainings that you just don't feel you know, attachment to you just go, uh-huh, another, another organizational, you know, thing, another, another jargon, another buzzword that, you know, of this decade or this century or the whatever of the year to get by, right? You know, whether it's political or systematical, uh, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, the, any, any training that your peers, like day-to-day people and the leadership actually teaches i think those are the valuable ones i think amazon has its own like uh leadership training you know bezos down you know that thing right i think the i think those are like the valuable ones like how you become an amazon man or woman or you know unidentifiable gender human whatever you know but i just go like i i think i yeah i but at least it came from look this is how our how our in-house uh, mentality and then the report out and our how we function and then you know coming you know teaching that top down especially for very streamlined cutthroat you know efficient place like amazon is i think those are valuable training so they don't tell you and say hey go get this you know say six sigma training who came up with six sigma i don't know i guess general electric did you know in the late 1980s stack ranking and all that shit and you know, and then uh, all these other other people com- companies like a monkey see monkey do is no different from the NFL. This defensive scheme work, let's try it. This of- offensive scheme work, let's try it. And every uh, copycats are everywhere. And then the companies do the same thing. It's like, yeah, let's adopt that. Let's adopt that. But then the problem with that is you, you spend all that money, you all spend all that money training people and all that shit, but it doesn't really mean a thing. And then, you know, those are more workflow process side of things. And now you get a lot of sensitivity training and other political policy training that are there. Um, I think it, it, would be, it would be more heartfelt than really uh, eye-opening and revolutionary if your peers could teach that, especially if it's sexual harassment. From your core women, you know, peer women, I don't want facilitator going, I don't know, you over there, lady. And then, uh, you, can, can you can you say a woman like where you felt uncomfortable in front of everybody? No, instead of that, why don't you have that woman present the thing and say this is 
what sexual harassment is and then but learn the certified definition of it from whatever professor or whatever organization right from the me too organization or something or lean in you know same for the racial and diversity training don't just put a minority person their virtual signaling and say like have this person come in and it's like yeah this is why your organization needs this it's like no it shouldn't be your organization doing something it should be like our franchise organization should do something together and then it's not some random lady it should be like everyday person you do you it's like gee i don't know it should be a heart to heart training and uh, open dialogue that way instead of look you fucked up you said a wrong word here's a training go I don't think that makes sense. It makes sense if your peers come in and teach these things or top down. If it's like a, some, if it's process workflow that's unique to your culture and organization, uh, it's valuable that way from the inner learnings of it. Uh, and then if it's a policy related, it'd be great if your peers do it. I think those are the kinds of trainings, no matter what kind of system, what kind of workflow, what kind of policy that you have, are the most effective. Like the people next to you, talk to you you know and then uh it's not obviously as organizations you hope that they stay forever but uh you know but it's it's not how you it's not what you tell them it's not what you wrote to them it's not what you yelled at them but it's how they eventually feel like Maya Angelou said that that impacts the most um I'm kind of paraphrasing Maya Angelou here but yeah so there's my answer that was a really long-winded answer that you know made me talk about work and my professional life Without really talking about it. So there's that. There's that answer. Uh, we're a digital agency working with experienced IT professionals into web design, web development, SEO, etc. May I know if you're interested in any of these services? Uh, sure. Give me. I'll, I'll give you my Nigerian bank account. You know, the routing number. <laughs> oh, I'll take any questions. See, I, yeah, I said I answer anything. Limitless, unlimited. Anything? I answer the fucking spam emails too. There it is. Alleged, alleged phishing. Uh, all right. Shoo! Quick editing interruption here because uh, I forgot to answer one question. So uh, I decided to sneak this in before the second last and then the last question. So the question is, who do you love more, your mom or dad? Uh, I think that question is grammatically incorrect just to start. I think it's supposed to say, whom do you love more, your mom or your dad uh, I would say I love them both very much but at the same time <laughs> I think my dad like I I like my dad more for playing golf and actually maybe just talking discussing but you know just from the listening perspective from the parent that who listens but my mom for having a longer talk serious talk although she doesn't like hearing me venting for so long uh, but uh, when we get into had a nitty-gritty heart you know, a heart-to-heart conversation. Ah, yeah, my mom's cooler when it comes to those things. I'll be honest, so I feel more open about it. So there's that. I love I love both my mom and dad equally, but uh, I love them differently when it comes to different activities. So I'll say that. That's my answer. So back to the very last question that I have in the sports question. Shoo! We're down to the last question, and we're half... Half an hour through this thing, and then uh, God, I, I, this doesn't this doesn't go hour and a half like it did before. But anyways, more than limited here. I know your time and all that is important. And finally, we're on to the very last question. Uh, what are your five worst sports franchises? Uh, I had to think about this one for a little bit. I just go, what, what, are, how do I define the worst franchises? What, what does it mean to be the worst? 
because I'm such a fucking uh, hater, aka uh, constructive critic, I wanted to think of the worst as a piece of fucking shit from a public, despicable, bigoted, criminal standpoint and also pathetic. <laughs> Those are my definitions of the worst. So, uh, I'm gonna go, I, I'm gonna come out swinging first one. I, I, cause I thought of this right away. It's like the, the first, in no particular order, I'll say five worst, in no particular order that I find are worst. Again, despicable, pathetic, unethical, immoral, uh, also pathetic, <laughs> pitiful. Uh, those are my criterias of the worst ever of all time. Oh, like it no any other. I'm doing a lot of Trump impressions here. Uh, number one, Penn State football under Joe Paterno. Obviously, obviously, you think you think I forgot because it was fucking ten years ago. Like you think I forgot? Like James Franklin came in and then everything is good. They're unbanned. You know, Penn State football is back. We are Penn State. We are Penn State. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. You know what the fuck happened with Sandusky fucking like the rhythmic slapping. You know, fucking shit. I, I, I remember all that. I haven't forgotten. And then they didn't, you know, NCAA didn't stay with a full five-year ban that they gave them. And all, and then they undid them because they said, well, if you wait now, they'll be like, because Penn State makes a lot of money. And Penn State has the second largest stadiums and all that, you know, you know, you know. And then a Jopa just like not doing anything. And obviously, I think this really triggered the rest of the whole sexual assault and harassment problems uh, that came out in the, you know, the amateur sports scenes in America. And also, it's, it's everywhere. Fucking pedophiles. Fucking assholes. I mean, that's like the least that I can say. So, but that, how long that has been going and then the fucking... I, I don't want to go into it again, but I don't think they were punished enough. I I don't think Penn State truly learned other than, oh, fuck, we had one or two bad actors, including the president and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm still mad about that. Now, there's Michigan State where Larry Nassar, but it's not a franchise because it's, it's a, because that was U.S. Gymnastics. And then all that, and then the U.S. Olympics, and I don't know if you can pick it as a franchise, but that's up there too. In, in a related matter, I'll say uh, honorable mention because I don't want to just pick all the sexual fucking harassers there. So like Penn State, Penn State football, USOC, U.S. gymnastics, U.S. wrestling, U.S. swimming, Michigan State, uh, U of M has it too right now, and then a whole bunch of uh, Baylor football, and then all these sexual assault cases, you know, with the girls. And I was on a Baylor campus yelling that shit. I think I said this. <laughs> so, how can I say my daughter to this place, man? You know, but I think all out of all of them, what Penn State uh, allowed to happen and wreck up so much money and then the fandom and then the punishment and the consequences, they, they never really fully paid, you know, other than settling with the victims. It's fucking despicable to me. So they're number one up there as a worst franchise. Uh, second, Boston Red Sox before Jim Rice. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail of the fucking Barstool boys and all that stuff. Oh, fuck you. Um, Boston Red Sox, if you don't know, is the last franchise to ever integrate <laughs> a black player who was Jim Rice, who was the MVP in the 1970s. And then uh, Boston, you know, no matter what you say, it, it, it is more racist than you think. So there's that. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, the next one, the third one, Washington NFL. 
Washington NFL team, the uh, also known as the Foreskins. I'm not gonna say their full fucking name. Uh, I I'm not gonna. I this is the most valuable franchise in the NFL, and it has the largest stadium in the NFL. And Dan Snyder, the fucking midget, for some reason is that never changed the name, and then it's it's just fucking offensive that team name. And it's like, but BK, you're not a Native American. I'm sorry. Like, if you name a franchise. And then some people are arguing, well, what about the Fighting Irish and all that shit? And then the Seminoles. I, I, forget it. You're picking a particular tribe and then a particular set of immigrants. That's the one thing. Redskins was like, Seminole tribe is still a Seminole tribe. You know, derogatory or not. Irish people are Irish people. Fighting Irish. Angry. Arr, you know, all that fucking stereotype in your head. It's just Irish. Irish people are still Irish people. Native Americans and indigenous people, aboriginals, that's an outdated term now because I saw aboriginals in my fucking textbook, but it's not a term anymore in Canada. You don't say there's still redskins in the fucking minority group name. Fuck no. It's like saying, I, I mean, just imagine if the, instead of the Native Americans and the indigenous people, if it were like fucking Chinese people. The Chinese train workers and then up in the West Coast and say, ooh, it's the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Chinese. It's like Los Angeles chinks or some shit. And then they say, oh, it's to honor our train workers who put the fucking steel road down. And then like, and then what What the fuck is going to be the, it's a cheer beat. It's like, ah, the stupid tomahawk chop, you know, they all do. The fucking native sound they do. What 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 would the Los Angeles chinks would be like? And then like you just slant the fucking eyes and be like, oh, me so horny, me so horny. Let's go, chinks. Is that the fucking cheer you're gonna do? Is that acceptable to you? And then you say, but I grew up being a Redskins fan. What a fucking asshole you are. You know, and Redskins not an ethnic group. It's a fucking it's a racial slur. It's no different from saying fucking chinks. You know. Put yourself in a fucking perspective there. It's like, are you going to say fucking New York honkies? Yankees is one thing. Like the fucking honkies. Yankees is not a racial term. It's a derogatory people term for the North. It's like the rednecks. But like redneck is not a racist term. It's a racial stereotype. They give to the certain white people. You know, I, I, but the Redskins is blatant. It's, like, it's no different from the chinks or the N-word. Or in the, all that shit. Fucking wetback. I don't fucking know. Like, are, are you gonna say, oh, Paso wetbacks? And like, to honor our Spanish American war. You know? No! Don't fucking say that. You don't use that term in a fucking ethnic group in a fucking census. Maybe this, maybe this president will, but you cannot send your census results. You know, U.S. Postal Service, just absolute, absolute disaster. It's fraudulent. Just the main media. Uh, fuck, I'm not gonna go in there, but. Yeah, so Washington NFL team is the third worst franchise, I'll say. Uh, the next one, Louisville Cardinals basketball team under Rick Pitino. Uh, Rick Pitino is a piece of shit. Uh, I, I, I did not feel a single sympathy or empathy for him when he, got, when he was uh, extorted blackmail by the stripper, the girl that he was fucking sleeping around with. I mean, yes, he's a Gucci, whatever. You know, he's kind of like Pat Riley without being Pat Riley, New Yorker, dressed nice, good-looking, tall, Italian-American, New Yorker, you know. But uh, and he's an okay basketball co- coach. But I just go like, yo, dude, Louisville, 
the Louisville basketball, I, I, you know, and then on a personal level, I'm still mad that they fucking won the 2013, the final, you know, against the U of M. I never seen U of M win a national championship, you know, ever since I became a Wolverine a full time on a national television. I just go like, in any sports, I, I but this motherfucker, you know. It was on the Adidas book, and then a fucking whole FBI and all that, you know, the shoe game. And there was Arizona, there's Louisville, all these dirty motherfucking basketball coaches make millions of dollars. But hey, man, and then he tried to play a fucking victim for all the money he was loafing off of in the middle of Kentucky. And then, like, he just he's just trying to get sympathy out of it. I just, like, and then this Louisville just, like, went on about their fucking day. And I, I hate that basketball team as a whole compared to other basketball teams like UConn, fucking Arizona, fucking UCLA. I, I don't give a shit. I, I, I really, really don't like Louisville Cardinal basketball. And then the they tipped off with Rick Pitino, the entire, entire dirtiness of the fucking coaching and then the fucking shoe game that's going on, you know, with the recruiting at the AAU ball. This is why Michigan came back to Nike from Adidas because you know that you get you get the kids through the Nike camps, not the fucking Adidas or the Under Armour camps, no less, right? Because Adidas camps got nobody. You got Andrew Wiggins and Derrick Rose. Who else is on fucking Adidas? You know, fuck. You go Adidas for soccer, but not for basketball. But yeah, Louisville Cardinal and then Rick Pitino. I absolutely hate him. I absolutely hate that friend. I hate that school. And then an honorable mention: Louisville Bobby Petrino. Fuck that football team. Uh, Lamar Jackson and then Teddy Bridgewater. Great, great output from there. But rest of it, I don't give a shit. Fuck Louisville Cardinals. Especially the basketball. Uh, that's the fourth worst franchise. The last worst franchise that I'll say is it's more pitiful, pathetic. is a Chinese national soccer team. <laughs> oh my god, BK. Are you picking on a mainland? No, I'm picking on the national soccer program of China. Um, PK, why didn't you pick India too then? If you're gonna argue what you're about to argue, well, okay. First of all, at least Indian soccer, I I, I understand. The problem with China and India national soccer programs is that look, systematically with the feeder system and all that, the farm system, the youth programs that these countries have, uh, it's not there. And India, I understand even more because everybody's. Uh, uh, the the poverty level and all that compared to China is absolutely tremendous. And then, uh, I don't know, fucking dude, it, it, like in India, there's still like sanitary water problems. So how the fuck do you are, do you expect to put a fucking soccer farm franchise together? Although they're like doing a great job in cricket, right? So I get that. And then the caste system and all that. And China, you know, it, there's no direct caste system and all that anymore. But at least the fucking government has put an infrastructure. They put on a fucking show like they're doing the coronavirus night now that we got this shit, you know? But yet at the same time, they can't, they can't put together a fucking soccer feeder, like the, the soccer feeding system. It's unfortunate. Their basketball team makes the Olympics out of the Asian conference. I mean, their gymnastics, swimming, or, you know, the fucking the track and field are doing fine in the Olympics. Yeah, they wreck up the medals over there and, and then the weightlifting, you know, however they fucking juice. I don't fucking know, right? Swimming, I know they got caught doping in the track and field too. Shorts, tracks, you know, speed skating. Yeah, they're rival with Korea. I get that shit, you know? 
all that. They have some winter sports that they do well. But soccer, they just can't fucking pull it. I, I like it's it's unbelievable. And then I, I'm sorry. If North Korea has made more World Cup than you did, it's fucking telling. Yeah, granted, in the 60s and 70s, that whole nation was going through the cultural revolution and everything. So I'm sure you didn't have a fucking time to put together a fucking soccer feeder system. But, you know, I, I just go like, they try, they start the Chinese Super League and, like, buy all these, like, young Brazilian players and European players and, and you know, like, the African soccer nation players and bring them over. What ridiculous amount of money. But I just go like, dude, but rest of you suck. At least MLS with the United States and Canada have some fucking feeder system that's working out and have immigrants coming in and like playing on the national team. Like, alas, the Alfonso Davies or like fucking Clint Dempsey's and, you know, you know, Michael Bradley's of the fucking world, right? Or Christian Pulisic, right? Who the fuck is Pulisic of China? I, I, I don't fucking know. I think there's a one guy in Liverpool or something. There's there. Was it a Japanese dude? I got confused. Look at me. I mean, the entire peninsula of Korea has done better than China. And then India at least says, fuck it, and goes after cricket. You know? And then Pakistan said, fuck it, cricket. You know? I, I, all that shit. Like, China, and then the fucking soccer team, it's pathetic. And the only time they made the World Cup in 2002 is because the top two Asian teams... Qualified by default being the host, Japan and Korea. So they don't even have to play the fucking qualifying round. So, and then like, I know there's a whole fucking China rig to make it because, you know, fucking Iran, you know, like Saudi and Iran, you know, all that shit. But it's fucking pathetic. Like, North Korea beat, like, North Korea is better than China when it comes to soccer. Okay? I'll say that. So, from the pathetic, pitiful standpoint, and then their attempt to try to create a feeder system in the farm league, and then through from the China Super League, Chinese Super League top down, it's really pathetic. They haven't come this far at all. So I'll just say that. So that's my last bit of a more of an enjoyment entertainment. I don't want to leave it on a damper no dampen note here, right? So those are my five worst sports franchises, and that is the last question of this our fourth Q and A that we do. I think it's a fourth Q&A, or the third at least that we do. <laughs> Did I remember? Because I know I skipped one year. And then, uh, well, hopefully you enjoyed it. Again, it's longer than the usual as I go sidetrack on some of these things. And then uh, we answer all your questions. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you, if you have any other questions or any other comments, you want to yell at me about any of these things, go ahead. aa-o-at-outlook.com. I only have an email. aa-o-at-outlook.com. And then uh, we'll come back next week, you know, when it's September. And then, uh, you know, we'll continue this thing as long as I can go because uh, it's interesting. And then I know I didn't, we didn't get to do the interviews and all that. So maybe we'll find some of that. You know, I didn't get to do a lot of reading, like read an article or something. I know I had a lot of Y series. So I'll, I'll probably have more of that. But uh, you know what? Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. I hope I answer all y'all questions. And then uh, I'll tell you when I start drinking again because like reading these questions and getting me amped up here is gonna look making me wanna go get an alcohol. I don't know what the fucking new outro song is. That's like an annual thing I do. I switch out the outro every year. So uh, enjoy and I hope you have a great rest of the week. And then uh, we'll see you back in September 2020.